Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to season four, episode four of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek culture. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today I have a classic Comic Book Nation squad lineup with me. My regular co-host, Janelle Wheeler, is here, of course. Hi, everybody. I am very nervous about today's episode. I'm excited, but I feel like I'm going to just be like more so listening. <laughs> and I'm down my uh, ride-or-die co-host, Matthew Aguilar. Not for any bad reasons. He's okay. He's actually out in the field right now living his best life. Coverage of WWE. Matt is living his dream right now. So That's all the best awesome. to him while he's out Yay, doing his wrestling thing. And to back him up on the wrestling front, like I said, we got a classic roster up here. We have Connor Casey's back with us again. What's going on, guys? He's going to be kind of taking the overview on this WWE Royal Rumble 2022 while Matt is down in the trenches and helping Connor with some wrestling and here to challenge me on the Star Wars front. My own boss, <laughs> this show's producer, Mr. Jim Viscardi is free of podcast jail. Kofi, I can uh, bring you in cold or I can bring you in warm. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. Oh, my God. Perfect. What an entrance. What an entrance. So, I'm from Philadelphia. You will always have to bring me in cold. So let it go. <laughs> and as you can see, we have been uh, chomping on the bit and like a little bit of backstory. I feel like we should do more backstory with this podcast. Uh, That's true. You know, Comic Book Nation was originally conceived for us because we wanted to take the legitimate hijinks of our office, the comicbook.com office, and bring it to you in a show, which was a great plan right before a pandemic. But like that's what we <laughs> that's what we planned. And so I'm kind of excited today because this feels like one of those episodes, because if you know, way back in the world before when we used to be in the office, episodes like Star Wars, the book of Boba Fett, chapter five would have our office lit up for days, like a yep. week of not just us churning out articles, but us just arguing with each other, factions forming, you know, like <laughs> it, it would be a whole thing. So I'm kind of excited because this is one of those classic feels of, you know, if you go back to season one, there is a lot of that. We just rip people in from the office. We're yelling about things. It's great. Um, so this is a return to form in that. And uh, we're going to be talking about the book of Boba Fett, chapter five, 
or as a lot of you have affectionately called it, the uh, Mandalorian 3.1, 3A, <laughs> or whatever your joke is about that. And yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it's so not a topic, joke. That's what it was. It's called Chapter Five: The Return of the Mandalorian. But we'll get to all that. So our topic for today: There's been this debate raging, of course, that kind of Mando showed up, ate Boba Fett's lunch, and has somehow in the minds of some people invalidated the book of Boba Fett as a good show as being pale in comparison to the Mandalorian, yada, yada, yada. So we're here to fight that out right now because a lot has been said over socials. You know, it got testy. It got testy on Twitter. I made the mistake of getting sucked in at Twitter at 2 a.m. Tweeting about, you know, you're going to hear people real quiet. Now, to be fair, this was when I started the book of Boba Fett chapter five. So, Full disclosure, I had no idea we were getting a full Mando episode when I saw that. I thought I was confidently backing up a Book of Boba Fett episode. But as you can see, you would never know that because I will never change on the point once it's out there. So once it's out there, I'm going to have to die behind this because I tweeted it. And naturally, you should live and die by your tweets. So here we are. I do not have a problem with this episode. A lot of people are saying this is just kind of an episode that proved Mando is better than Boba Fett. And it's that's OK. I get the aesthetic, but I think people underestimate how much that is a projection. Like you were excited because you are excited by the Mandalorian. That is your association with that character. Like you're already established and you see him. And it's an episode where this guy literally doesn't do anything different than Boba Fett's done this entire show. He tries to hang out with a tribe. He gets some training. He runs errands and he gets into some bar fight style fights, right? Like that's what happens. That's what's happened in the book of Buffett. That's what's happened in this episode. And there was a purpose to this, right? Like there's a deeper thing going on here. And why did we have to have this Mandalorian episode in the book of Buffett? It's because they're going to bring these two characters together and they want it to be something better than just, hey, they both wear helmets. That's cool. Like they're establishing thing. There is a purpose to what happened in this episode that Mando literally goes through the steps of what Boba Fett's been going through and kind of ends up in the same place. He's a dude in Mandalorian armor, former lone wolf bounty hunter who's had to encounter these new ideas about family and belonging and being part of something. It all goes sideways. He can't quite get it done. And now he has some kind of quest that's involved with him taking on a mantle of leadership and, and do and kind of having to transform this character so they're kind of on this same great thematic journey and this was kind of to sync them up and prepare for the mandalorian season three and get a bunch of stuff out of the way right so yes there's a behind the scenes and in front of the scenes point to this so no i don't think that mando came back and ate boba fett's lunch and i don't know why we have to i guess we just got into the place where we all gotta like pit things against each other automatically which is the thing i think i've had a problem with in this whole thing is like The tweet started, and I'm not going to mention some names, but I think it was telling that there were certain people in the industry who were the first people to say the exact same joke about, oh, the best book of book or the best book of book of Boba Fett is a Mandalorian book or something like that. Um, Yeah, I think I said that. Yeah. (laughs) Like I said, the case study of the types of people who were saying this, I think. Oh, okay. No, but here's. uh, All right. I'm going to jump in here for a second. Let me finish my thought. All right. All right. right, right. I don't think it's either or. I'm happy to have Mando back. I'm happy to have the book of Boba Fett. And here's the thing I said on Twitter before I just dipped out of that bathroom with all its scribbles on the wall. Like I just said, dude, what's the point here? Because if we start saying, oh, this crossover proves this show sucks 
and this show's better, like, will we get fun surprise crossovers like that anymore? Right. Or are we going to just scare? And don't we want these things? Or do we not want these things? Like, what is it we're unhappy about getting more of something special on top of something we're already getting? Look, I think I, don't know. I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is that I still don't know what kind of show Boba Fett is. Right, Mando had a style. It had you 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 knew what it was. You know what you were kind of getting into. And no, it's, you, a, it's a show that, that evolved. Number, it's a show. It's a show that evolved. One. It's, a, it's a show that evolved over time. But it did. But that like, okay, here's but no, no, no. Here's the thing. Mando is the show they advertised. Boba Fett is not the show they advertise. That that's a, my biggest problem with Boba Fett. And my biggest problem is the revisionist bullshit that's going on in this thing right now. Jim, I wish I had taken the time to go back, but I know for a fact that you were part of the same group. And we won't mention other names in the comic book staff of very public figures who were always in the office in the Mandalorian season one. And then in the beginning episodes of the Mandalorian season two complaining Oh, this show is slow. Oh, it's just them going from place to place. Oh, I wish there was more of a direction. The only time the mainstream fandom of Star Wars has gotten actually hot for The Mandalorian are the last couple of episodes of season one when finally Moff Gideon came and there was an actual villain and everybody was like, Mm -hmm. okay, now there's a villain. I can hook on to this. And then in season two, after Boba Fett showed up and Robert Rodriguez directed that episode and they were like, wow, it's Boba Fett. He's back finally. And everybody spazzed out. And then up till then people were complaining about the Cobb Vance episode and hanging out with the Tuscans. Oh, Mando's oh, season two premiere is so slow. The episode, the next one where he just took the lady, he was taking the frog lady to a place. Oh, that's so slow too. Uh, I am. People I am didn't know who going, Bo-Katan was. They didn't know who Ahsoka was if they didn't, because a lot of them didn't watch Clone Wars in the animated, so they weren't hyped yeah. about all that. It's well, when Boba okay. Fett came back. But hold on, because like, I'm gonna have to revise, the greatest. And I have to revise out, your, like your, your 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 revised history there for a second. There, I am still like, like I said. I will go on record saying I am still not like the world's biggest Mandalorian fan. But the Mandalorian that that show. Stuck you, to its style, regardless of whether, whether you whatever you like or hate about it, it's stuck to its it's stuck to its style. Right now, there are aspects of the character that I have I have grown to like. Right, and I know, look, Boba Fett is a character that sh- has shown up for what whether fifteen minutes in the uh, the original trilogy and like you know, but has been has had an expanded role in various parts of uh you know the 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 expanded lore right the the deleted the the stuff that got yeeted out of continuity and then even the stuff that remains in the comics continuity like boba fett that character the character that's like the character that was in uh war of the bounty hunters that's not the character that we're getting on the show okay and like that's when like so like you know i'll come i'll admit like i came from that to seeing some of the trailers for for Book of Boba Fett, and I was expecting way more, uh, like like just like Godfather, but on but uh, Mos Espa, right? Like just a bit more of Boba in action, even even if he was playing Puppet Master, right? And like that's my <coughs> sorry, that's my biggest thing. Where the Mando episode. I understand why you know, like like you know why you want to bring Mando in and and do all that. But like that episode just doesn't or this week's episode just does not feel uh 
it feels co- so incongruent with the already incongruent uh, episodes that we have got so far, right? And it's what it what it has me want. Like it that episode, I don't even care about him like and Boba Fett partnering up. I just want to see more of like Mando's journey now, and I don't and I don't think that's what. Oh, Jim, you are. I, oh, go man. For it, go for it. Richard, go, go. time stamp this, Richard, because we are going to come <laughs> back because in the next two weeks, I feel like you are going to eat those words so hard so. because this is called the book of Boba Fett. It's about him. Like it's about you can't just have Boba Fett become the Godfather. And I don't know if you've ever watched the Godfather or the Godfather okay. Part Two specifically? Yes. But no, I, I. That's we yes. are still telling a Godfather story because the Godfather Part Two is about how you know, or if you see the whole thing laid out in the full chronology, it's about how Vito Corleone, as Robert De Niro, grew up and became the Godfather. So you can't just have right. the story be like, dude, I'm the. Sure. Hey, I woke up this morning and you know what I want to do? I want to <laughs> Godfather it. The story is how did this lone wolf bounty hunter who is so kind of individualistic and there's little subtle things in the series that I love that I feel like some people don't get, but like, you know, who is, has the face of a thousand other clones, but is special and distinct from that and kind of has defined himself from that. Why does he go from being this loner to wanting to run this crime fairy, crime fairy, crime family, (laughs) and on the basis of respect and not fear and like, what is that all about? And where does that come from? And that's the story we're talking about. And it does take work because this dude was just a dude in a helmet for so long. So like yeah. kind of building up this character and, and getting him to this place takes work. And the Mandalorian did it on the fringes, but just never explained how we got there. And now we're kind of explaining it. So, I mean, we can call that clunky storytelling if you want, but I don't think that the impact of that story is lost on me or a lot of other Star Wars fans. And I think, as I keep saying, I think this series is different from the Mandalorian in the sense that, this series doesn't necessarily take mainstream audience concerns in, in as much as the Mandalorian obviously does. Like there is no baby Yoda balancing out this thing to make it appealing to like, you know, the average soccer mom who never checks out star Wars before. Like there's nothing in it. I feel like they tried with the baby rancor, but no, (laughs) (laughs) this is a deep dive into star Wars lore, star Wars. I mean, references to the expanding, you know, there's a, this is a deep dive show. And I think we're we're finally getting to the point where we're seeing that split again. Like there are people who care about like mainstream Star Wars stuff and there's people who love this deeper lore stuff. And I think this show appeals more to one kind of person than the other. And I think the Mando episode was a nice bone to the other people to give them a better kind of understanding they're already familiar with to get into what's going to happen is these people all teaming up and there being a big kind of crime underworld showdown that's coming up in, in the finale because... I mean, you already have all these pieces on the board. You now have Mando, you have Boba Fett, Fennec Shan, Black Kersantan, the Huts, the Pikes, and God knows what else is coming. And, you know, cameos. I mean, Fennec, Fennec Shan has basically been like the MVP of, of the show. No, As I get she it, should. Right? Like, I mean, not when's the MVP of everything? Like, I mean, you know, whether sure. it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or this. I mean, that's not a bad thing. But uh, I still think Han Solo and Chewie are going to show up. Like, I think we're going to get a big payoff to this. And I'm kind of more excited about this Mando episode made me more excited about establishing where they're going with this larger Mandalorian thing. We've written extensively on comic book Star Wars about how it's clear that Lucasfilm is making Mandalorians these alternate Jedi 
mm-hmm. for, for other people who may need, never connect to the Jedi and all the Eastern philosophy stuff that they're into. And now you have these kind of, you know, warriors that people obviously connect to the Mandalorians. And so they're building a new Mandalorian thing. Like, right. Like Mando's going to restore the planet. Boba Fett's going to kind of come into his own and they're going to be buddies. And like, well, that's and look, and that, honest. Honestly, and that's one of the more interesting parts of the of this past week's episode is seeing basically uh, Mando, you know, kind of get a bit disenfranchised with uh, the way, basically, right? Where um, I don't think he's he's you know, like look, he wants to. It seems like he wants to you know work for his atonement uh, and whatever. But it's one of those things where I think sometimes we forget that uh, you know. It, Jin is a is basically like is a, is a fundamentalist, right? Like, like in kind of a uh, a crazy one at the a bit of a, a crazy one at that. But at the same time, you've got uh, you know obviously the the other stuff that's going on with uh, Bo-Katan and that. But like I, I, it feels like a a third sect is potentially blooming here with the the Mando Boba kind of you well, know. What, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think. I don't think Mando's a fundamentalist. I think this is the point where we're seeing after season he was. Two, yeah, he got we're challenged right. in season two. That's what made him take off his helmet. And now he's beginning to realize like he doesn't have a place in this old tribe. And it's the same thing as Boba. Boba's trying to right. build his own tribe because he doesn't really have one. And that's kind of what I'm excited for them to do. Because if you know anything about the expanded literature, uh, expanded universe of Star Wars, Boba Fett became a major hero. I mean, he led Mandalore against yeah. this big alien invasion that happened and was this big story arc. And, and he trained the future kind of Skywalker kids, you know, when they needed to kind of defeat one of the another one that fell to the dark side. It was a whole thing. So there is room for this lore to kind of keep going into something much bigger, Sorrent centered around Mandalore. And I think we're going to look back one day and kind of be like, hmm, this is interesting where we see this and how this kind of set that up. But I don't know, Connor, Janelle, you guys have just listened to me and Jim kind of <laughs> screaming at each other. Um, I always love to get your opinion, especially Janelle, you because you are kind of our, you know, you're our litmus test as a kind of casual Star, Star Wars fan. And Connor, I never know what you ever feel. So, you know, you're always a wild card. Janelle, you're muted. Sorry, I know. I was trying to unmute. My mouse would not let me do it. <laughs> um, I muted because I just knew that you guys were going to take over <laughs> this part. Um, casually speaking, I, I'm just going to keep it real. I was mute her. <laughs> <laughs> mute her, Mike. No, I'm kidding. I love the Mandalorian. Um, I do have like a baby Grogu hanging around in my room in here. Uh, I love, I love Mandalorian, but I don't need the Mandalorian in Book of Boba Fett to dig Book of Boba Fett. I am, re- and I'm surprised by that. I Keep am shocked. Mind. Turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really am surprised. So I will say that, like, I was on. I was very engaged. I was totally into the episode. I liked what I was seeing. I'm very excited about where it's going. Like I'm so pumped about this, but I just didn't need it in the middle of, of this other show. Like I, I would be totally fine if that was in the Mandalorian next season and I would be eating it up and loving it. I, you know, I, I do tweet sometimes and I was like unpopular opinion, you know, Mandalorian was a total, you know, badass on, 
his show and then he comes on to book of Boba Fett and he's like cutting himself in the leg and like he's really clumsy in the battles and he gets pulled over by the cops and he's like asking for forgiveness for, you know, for taking his helmet off. And it just didn't feel like the same, like idolized Mandalorian that I put him up on this pedestal in when I watched the initial series. But then of course, as happens on the internet, a lot of people came back with really good points of like, well, I mean, he did just like saw a dude in half and like <laughs> rip someone's head off. And so I, I, I feel like I went in a little judgmental because I did read some like spoilers or like people venting like, why is Mandalorian? Why does he get a whole episode? And so I kind of went in going, well, this isn't fair to Boba. Like, he has a whole episode just to the Mandalorian. I wish, I wish, I wish I didn't have that outside influence. I might have taken it in differently. Do I like this episode? Heck yes, I like this episode. Did it need to be in the book of Boba Fett? No. <laughs> like, I love, I like Boba Fett's story. And even though I don't know the lore, I, I'm having a blast learning more about his story and what he's doing. I know it's all going to tie together, but I just think go, I go back to like my original, what I did with comic book, what got me in with you guys, it was the walking dead. And any time, like if they would have done that, if they would have just left Daryl or Rick completely out of an entire episode, they got slaughtered. Like people got pissed and so I understand where people are coming from saying like, this is frustrating. Like why, why did they dedicate a whole episode to this other character? Who's not even in the show. <sighs> Overall, I, two, I enjoyed it. I have two yes. very quick, uh, uh, points to pick uh, to just mention there uh norin rad in the chat said no, I knew uh, you were gonna do this <laughs> this show this show is basically the falcon and the winter soldier of star wars shows and i and just that like it's, really? it's a bit it's a bit uneven and sometimes annoying how it's built and i 100 percent uh agree and i think the, the 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 other quick point i wanted to make uh, based on janelle's thing is like did this mandalorian episode need to be a full-on episode of you know that wasn't like, I guess, yes, we needed to catch up on where Mando was and what he was doing, but I think they could have um, shown a lot less. And yeah. I think I wanted to, to, I would have liked to have seen him get more right into, you know, the, the recruitment of Mando and, and get that ball rolling, show us a little bit here and there, and then finish like the, what he was doing when we get to man, when we get to Mandalorian, the you know Mandalorian season. I would have loved that. that I think would have been a, that. Because I'm worried that they're gonna they're gonna now have to rush to the end of the show. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's gonna be a rush. I, I think again, I think it was meant to set up a deeper kind of thematic tie to where Mando is and where Boba Fett is and why they're going to unite as their own kind of tribe. And I, I think that's important. I also disagree that this was kind of weird. I mean, this is a show that has been literally taking us back through every single detail of where its characters were leading up to this point and this fight they're about to have. The fact that we did that for Mando just made me kind of laugh. I was like, okay, so we're going to go through every single thing Mando's been up to up until this point. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, that's fitting with the show. I don't think we're ever going to come to a consensus on this. I, I think it's going to be interesting to look back at it after we get to the end of this show, the end of Mandalorian next season, and whatever they might have planned for the bigger kind of Mandalore saga in Star Wars that's obviously 
coming up as quick as Young Avengers, right? So I'm going to be kind of interested to look back and see all this. Connor, you get the last word on this before we're going to move on. So make it good ones. Well, I hope it's not the only word because I have more than just one. Um, (laughs) Kofi, I think you're making a lot of good points. I jumped into this episode being pretty emphatically on Jim's side. I think there is a difference between the show's ambition and its execution. And I think it is, it has very lofty ambitions. And I think you're recognizing that in certain aspects. I think the execution is where it's falling short. Having watched the first four episodes pretty close together, I noticed that the back to tank scenes always immediately cut out the momentum of each episode. (laughs) And had all of those been strung into one long episode, I think it would have suited the show a lot better. Because then we could have a full understanding of how did Boba get to this current situation and then how is he very poorly handling this attempt at becoming a crime lord. As for this episode, there's just so much to love about it. And I think that's why it's getting a lot of credit. I thought Bryce Dallas Howard brought a lot of uh, her own flair to it. That per- oh, that now you love the Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, that that's very that, nice. That particular scene of him in the elevator going up, that one two minute long tracking shot. That's a filmmaking technique I love. And I haven't seen a lot of that, those kind of attempts being made elsewhere on this show. Felt like I felt I, like I was watching a Mass Effect cutscene, and I loved it. And for as li- for as well, little as it actually happened in this I'm episode, sorry, can we just put a pin in that for a second because I keep coming back to this again. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is also a good example of a show that couldn't get around it. Book of Boba Fett is one. You guys like the COVID of it all is a real factor in all. Oh, this. I don't and, doubt that. And I, yeah. that tracking shot we all love was also just really Pedro Pascal on a big green screen. I'm sure it was two minutes and like, yeah, it was a smart technique, but it was well, it was not taken away. I think I was on Bryce Dallas Howard's side in the first season and that Bo-Katan episode last season. I thought she was great. So I have no complaints about what she did here at all. There's a lot of, but there was a lot of different things. And I noticed that what for how little actually happened in this episode, it felt like there was a lot more forward momentum. Whereas with the four first episodes of Boba, it, it's a lot of stopping and starting. And it, there's there's frustration growing in that. And I think there, where that's where a lot of the fans are getting a little bit tired of the show, but they're struggling to find a way to explain why. There were a lot this of, show a lot is of- made for Star Wars diehards. And I think it's the casual fans that are having the, and the, the fans that I think they're looking to bring in that are having the hardest time. But I think this episode was still targeted at those diehards because it's talking about Mandalore and how the planet was destroyed, how uh, Din is struggling between the fact that he's part of this religious sect that he wants nothing more than to be a part of. But he's also carrying this sword that comes with all of this destiny behind it. And he's also got Bo-Katan off to the side being like, yeah, they're crazy. And then the armorer (laughs) coming back and saying, knowing you're crazy. And he's struggling and like that's personified in him cutting himself with the leg is that he is struggling to find his place in all of this, where even his own sword is fighting back against him. There's just this episode stood out. And I think that's why everybody is saying, oh, it's 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 this demonstrates the fact that Mandalorian is better than Boba Fett. I think it's way too early to say because we need to watch the whole thing at once. But I'll end with this. Kofi, you keep bringing it back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> I made the same comparison because when Falcon and the Winter Soldier came out, it was getting outshined by a different property in Invincible. And now we find ourselves with, in the same week, Boba Fett and Peacemaker coming out. And Peacemaker is handing it its 
head. Ooh, here we go. I mean, I, I guess. I guess they're directly <laughs> comparable. But okay, let's get into Peacemaker. Um, one thing I will say is, before we get out of Book of Boba Fett, last thing, I will never, all my life, ever defend that chase scene with the speedy bikes. That slow that chase. Power, that was a Power Ranger scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll never defend that. Nobody likes slow chase scenes. If you saw that in the monitors, you should have just burned that hard drive. Like, sorry. That was Boba like, Fett Battle Angel. No, that that was Robert Rodriguez Battle Angel. Yeah. Let's keep it real. That had nothing to do with Boba Fett. But I will never defend. I will never defend the the slow the slow shiny bike chase. Like, no. All right. So let's move on to Peacemaker since uh, Connor brought it up. Let's talk Peacemaker real quick before we take a break. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're too comparable. I don't think I've met somebody who says, ooh, Boba Fett didn't scratch my itch, but Peacemaker did. I don't think people are looking for the same scratch from those two shows. I, I, what, what I mean by the comparison is that it's it's two of the big you know, geek culture properties that are both coming out at the same time. And how Falcon and Winter Soldier Invincible are tackling two very different themes, but they were both coming out the same day. And what kept getting everybody's attention? Invincible. There was a bit more chatter around. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. There was a lot more uh, chatter around that, and there was about the Winter Soldier. Uh, You're all I like, mean, we're kind of bored by this. And why does his costume look so bad? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like everything you're saying you know, is true, but also endemic to like intense geek cultures and not necessarily because I don't remember main, like, inv- I didn't have many mainstream responses to Invincible. I think Invincible is still coming up as a mainstream breakthrough hit. Like, I but I think Falcon and Winter Soldier reached a lot more people. Like I know a lot of, a lot of like black Marvel fans love the whole kind of thing that that show did. And like, so I think they were, those are weird comparisons to make, but I hear what you're saying and I'll take it on fairly, but with Peacemaker right now, because yeah, I mean, Peacemaker is definitely generating a ton of buzz and and there's nothing to say bad about it. And again, I don't think we have to leverage one good thing in the culture against something else. Um, I love both and they both make my Wednesday and Thursday a lot better. Uh, but yeah, Peacemaker is killing it. So let's just praise Peacemaker for a minute here. So Peacemaker episode five is out. And um, yeah, I think this is one of my favorite episodes yet because this was like the big team bonding episode in the way that only James Gunn could do it. Uh, and this series in some ways I think is James Gunn's best work with just mixing everything we love about him, the weirdness, the kind of raunchiness, the horror, the hue, the kind of heart together. Uh, and this episode was a kind of perfect stew of that. The crew went on their own kind of mission to infiltrate the bee, uh, the butterflies and their kind of food source at this factory. They get into this huge battle. They battle a gorilla with the, uh, who I know everybody was like thinking it was gorilla grod moment for a minute there. And then, you know, it was just a gorilla with a butterfly in its head, but still, awesome, <laughs> right? which is an old DC comic staple, right? Throw a gorilla yeah, in something, it. make it better. Uh, so, yeah, this was great. And like, yeah, this cast is great together. And, uh, you know, good ending. Got us on the edge of our seat into Superman butt jokes. What's not to love? So, <laughs> you know, I'm just surprised. And I put this in the show notes, but is James Gunn a double agent for Marvel? Because it seems like he just comes into the DCEU and just like takes, I mean, and just is taking down everything around him, right? Because I rewatched the Suicide Squad yeah, before uh, Peacemaker's episode yesterday, and there's just so many jokes in there about just kind of taking down the other movies, I mean, from the name, the Suicide Squad. So is this guy like really just a double agent making fun of the DC's thing? I mean, I'm not going to stop him if he is. I'm going to keep watching, but, uh, you know. 
Yeah. It it really this show uh at times makes me feel like I may be too prude for it. And I kind of love it. Uh in the sense that just like it's I the 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 straight up violence in this episode I was surprising even for me like Peacemaker just going in and blowing heads up with a shotgun and like seeing it uh, a la just like the the moment from Suicide Squad where um you see and I forget his name but Pete Davidson's character is like face blown off basically Blackguard. yeah yeah Blackguard right like I was just like whoa they are they are going there um. The, like I said, I, I don't, I'm not going to lie. I thought the first couple of episodes for me, like I said, I, again, probably just because I'm too prude for it, but like felt a bit juvenile uh, to me. But I think now as the show is starting to really cook uh, and, and come uh, and come together, um, I think the the team build the you know the, this was like the big pinnacle team building moment for uh, you know for the whole team, uh, and I really liked that, and I really liked how how Gun kind of pulled those strings together uh, to make it uh, to make it what it was. And it's just, it is, it is a fascinating DC experiment. And I'm glad that we're in a spot where, you know, we can get something like this for sure. Jay wheel. How are you feeling? I'm obsessed with the show. (laughs) (laughs) I am so crazy about this. I am curious. I want to know more about this species. Are we spoiling? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to know more about uh, like where, why there's so many little baby hints about, are they actually bad guys? Are they actually villains? Is, is Peacemaker really going to get arrested now because of his father ratting him out? Like there's just, it, it's something that forces me to look forward to it every week. Like every week I'm like, okay, I need to know what's happening next. Like, I wish I could binge this. I want to know what's going on. Uh, it feels really nice to have one of those shows because it, I've just gotten into this like binge lifestyle <laughs> of TV shows in general. So I actually like the week to week situation. Uh, John Cena is blowing my mind. <laughs> I, I don't, I've, I hate to say this. I've said it before. I don't like him very much <laughs> because I watched him on total Bellas and I thought that he was a jerk. Um, and now I'm just like, Oh my gosh, there's this side of him that is just like, he is peacemaker. I don't even look at John Cena as John Cena anymore. Like John Cena is peacemaker. And to <laughs> me, that is great acting. He's doing such a good job. I am just so excited for him and proud of him. And just like, it's just so cool to see him killing it. I am so enthusiastic about this. I seriously wait up at night. Like I want it to like pop on like sooner. I can't wait for the next episode. James Gunn is like a God (laughs) and I'm, this is everything I've wanted from DC content, like for so long. This is Guardians of the Galaxy DC, but like way rougher <laughs> and more violent and and X-rated, <laughs> no R-rated. All yeah. right, Connor, you already revealed your stand status here, so why don't you go ahead and stand for us? <laughs> I mean, y'all kind of touched on it. It's just excellent across the board. The character dynamics are are just it, a lot of the comparisons keep getting made to Guardians of the Galaxy cranked up to an R rating. And I think that's spot on. I think in the hands of a lot of different directors, if you put these kind of characters together, we would hate them. And this would look like an always sunny in Philadelphia with a chainsaw and a gorilla involved in, but here we've got five care, 
four or five characters that we actually really care about. Uh, Cena is kind of the revelation of this show. He's showing that there is an incredible amount of depth to a truly unlikable person that really just wants to find his own place in the world. Um, you can probably make some comparisons to the uh, overly good guy persona he was playing in wrestling that was constantly being met with booze from the crowd and him trying to fight back against that for so many years. I love the show. I love the music. I love that they follow the simple principle that if you add a gorilla into anything, it makes it better. And the the mystery behind the butterfly stuff, it, it's keeping just enough of my interest that the show keeps humming along at a good pace. I'm, yeah. If they come out with, oh, actually, the butterflies were the good guys and we screwed it up again, just like we did with that one village in the Suicide Squad, I'll be fine with that because that was a <laughs> hilarious punchline the first time. Um. Yeah, I, I, I got I got zero complaints from this. The only thing is the whole cop storyline trying to somehow tie this back to John when he blew up that first girl. We, we can move past that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, think that's all I think that's all about to come to a head. And I think uh, that's yeah. that's where it's I think the, the going to be the most interesting. Well, I also think the it. cop thing is the stinger at the end when we get done with a big butterfly thing. That's the epilogue. Because um, yep. off behind the scenes, Gunn did an interview recently and said there's a really good chance that it looks like Peacemaker will get a season two. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can be hopeful for that. And I bet the cop thing will be the kind of epilogue that leads into season two. Like, you yep. know, just when you thought it was all safe and over. Oh, there they come the cuffs, you know. Um, and if, if it's just Peacemaker versus his dad and that's what we're setting up for next season, I'm good with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, him. I think there's a big. One of my favorite things is him having to deal with his own kind of, uh, you know, all, it's a thing on comic book characters like Peacemaker, but are they like really kind of fascists or in kind of nationalists mm-hmm. or are they these guys for this higher ideal kind of like, you know, that whole argument he and Vigilante kind of had um, in the car. Anyway, uh, Damon Stream says, if you could see if you could see Gunn do another DC slash Suicide Squad character project, who, what would it be? That's a timely question. In addition to hearing that Peacemaker season two is looking good. We also got word that there is another the Suicide Squad spinoff that James Gunn um, kind of, you know, put his effort behind and is pitching to Warner brothers and they're kind of getting interested in, in it. No green light, no pro, no script yet, but the concept is said to have been sold to the studio and they may be pursuing that. So let's answer this question. I wrote that article and my vote was I would, I was after rewatching suicide squad, the suicide squad this week, there is a brief monologue from um, David Desmalchian's polka dot man about his origin in his mom and all Ooh, that. Yeah. I would love to see James Gunn do that. That's kind of like a really screwed up or with just polka dot man, his siblings and their crazy star labs, mom experimenting on them to give, make them into superheroes. It'd be like a really twisted family drama show. And I would, I would love to see him do that. Gosh, my knee jerk reaction is just like King Shark. <laughs> Give me more King Shark. Just I mean, yeah, I, I mean, there's big King things Shark. like Harley, but you got to kind of go down the list, right? It's a TV yeah. show. It's HBO Max. And you kind of be realistic. So like, oh, yeah, that's why Harley my, my vote Quince, was going to be Ratcatcher too. Like, I thought I about that, that, but like, I don't know if she's a big enough star like to in 
frankly, I don't know if she has like the full mastery of like fluency to kind of carry an entire series. Mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering. I was wondering. I think that, that I think yeah, but I think you can build around that though. And I, oh, think, I, and I, don't, I would never so much her out. What, yeah, I well, think sure. Since so much of what Gunn has said about like working with her, like he loved working with her, like that. I think that 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 that's where that's where I you know I go for. But the reason I also I put Ratcatcher 2 out is, um, you know, Harley Quinn, obviously, that's off the board because it's Margot Robbie and mm-hmm. there's already a Harley Quinn property on TV. Why? Mm-hmm. Why redundancy? So Idris Elba does TV, obviously, Luther, The Wire. But, yep. you know, even doing blood sport and trying to do it's also a budget thing, right? Trying to do all those yep. weapons effects is one thing. But Ratcatcher 2 was the same thing. That's why I said, oh, I would love her. But how many rats could you really put in this series like yeah. over and over again? <laughs> like, and how much would that cost? And Polka Dot Man would just, you know, moving your hands and doing some CGI and some other CGI kind of super things I felt like you could pull off. So right. I don't know. I would watch anything. I would watch a show about Weasel or Savant yeah. or Javelin <laughs> or Blackguard <laughs> with just Pete Davidson being a scumbag. You know, I would like, love I to know. see Pete Davidson. Yeah. Just more of so him. any of that, I would uh, I would watch some, you know, I'd watch a Star Wars series. So yeah. Kofi, you're dead on with Polka Dot Man. But if we're going to give him any other DC property to try, give him the new gods. Give him that messed up pantheon. Oh, character. Oh, Mr. Mr. Miracle's not a terrible, not a I terrible give, choice. Yeah, I would give him the new gods. I'd also give him uh, Plastic Man in a second. Oh, yeah. I would, I would give John a Plastic Man series. So, all right. I know that's Richard in the private chat. Oh, no, that's Jim saying he's going to get out. Uh, oh, yeah. So, all right. Come on. We got to take a break. We got stuff to do. Jim's hurrying along, still producing and starring. I love it. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about WWE, the Royal Rumble, this week's comics. So stay tuned for all of that. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. We are back, Comic Book Nation. Uh, we just broke down the Boba Fett Mando episode. We talked Peacemaker. Now we're jumping the fence over to the other side of geek culture to talk wrestling. Uh, Matthew Aguilar, our regular co-host, isn't here today because, as we said, he is out in the trenches of WWE right now doing interviews, seeing matches. And to keep an overview on what's going on, we've brought back our wrestling expert himself, Mr. Connor Casey. Take it away. What do wrestling fans have to look forward to right now, Connor? Well, Kofi, they've got to look forward to one of the best events WWE puts out consistently every year in the Royal Rumble. This is one of those shows where, uh, unless there are some really inane booking decisions, it's very hard to screw up a Rumble match. They are just so much fun in just their design. And when you look at this year's show, it's kind of it reminds me of back in high school when I would be in algebra class and the teacher would give me the answer and then they would say, "Okay, now show us how you get to that answer, because the answer, by all indications for WrestleMania 38 in the main event is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar with one of the world championships on the line. 
not both, even though both men have a world title right now. So you look at this show and you ask yourself, okay, between Roman and Brock, do either of them lose their championships? They're both in great matches. Roman's taking on Seth. They always deliver. Brock and Bobby Lashley are going together. And that's a re- that's a dream match that a lot of people have been wanting to see. And then you've got the Rumble match. How does that fit into the equation? So, Jim, I'm, I'm going to go with my theory for this and tell me if I'm completely off base. Brock beats Bobby. Seth finds a way to beat Roman, whether that's because the Usos can't interfere because Brock gets involved somehow, or Paul Heyman gets involved because he's no longer working for him. Roman then turns around and either A, wins the Rumble, or simply comes out the next week and says, okay, now I want Brock. And Brock says, well, you didn't want me when I asked you, so now you got to win, earn it somehow. And that's how we get to the Elimination Chamber. And then with Seth now Universal Champion back on Raw, as he's already promised, you have Big E swoop in, mm-hmm. win the Rumble, have that being his crowning moment, have him recover from what was a very disappointing day one pay-per-view at New Year's Day, and have that be one of the other main events going to WrestleMania. Or you have the night one be the women's match again. Right. Am I completely off base, Jim? Uh, no, I think, um, uh, I th- man, I think Roman loses it because I think they have officially, he's crossed the mark that they need to right longest reigning uh universe champion no one's going to come to to that any closer so like that it's a great way to set up brock versus roman you know whatever roundabout this is again because i think that that's the uh that's the the, that's the marquee event for a show like wrestlemania that's what that's what you need um and I, I think I think if anything, I think Roman, I like the idea of Roman entering the Rumble uh, and and winning and like being able to face Brock uh, that way, because then I think it also still goes to show how strong uh, you know Roman is in the in the face of, you know, a monster like like Brock Lesnar. Uh, I think I think at one point, I think we talked about uh, in Slack or whatever, having Big E win the Elimination Chamber. And that's how he kind of gets his. Uh, you know, set on the road to WrestleMania against uh, against Seth. Um, honestly, I would not be surprised if WrestleMania is uh, Seth versus Big E versus KO Kevin Owens. Um, in because like that, you you know that's about to to boil over and and brew. But look, Royal Rumble is my favorite pay per view of the year, mainly because like of the Rumble. I love the surprises. I love the guest entrance. Uh, all of that stuff. You get some crazy, insane spots. Uh, you get uh, it, it is just fun across the board. Um, you know, and it's in the women's rumble has got, you know, has some surprising entrance, right? Like, look, we've got impact knockout champion, uh, uh, uh totally blanking. Um, Mickey James, Mickey James, right? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, going to, you know, go, showing up, which is, which is awesome. Uh, you're going to have Lita, uh, you know, in involved in the, in the show, you're going to, um, like, it's, I'm more curious to see like what the, like the surprises in the men's rumble, I think are going to be true surprises. But my worry is that like, I mean, they already still have a pretty big roster that they're going to use it to elevate some NXT talent. Not that it's a worry, but like the, the rumble is usually more exciting when you've got big surprise guests and everyone's like, Oh my God, the rock is going to show up. Like the rock is not going to show up for the rumble. That's not, that's not how this goes. And, and for the folks and I know I've talked to BD about this, there's concern that, Roman versus Brock is a match that we've seen many a times. You just mentioned not like this. How can that be the draw this time around? Well, it's simple. It's we've never seen this version of Roman be desperate enough to try and chase somebody. 
And yep. that's the selling point they're going to rest on. Against Chase Brock Lesnar. Like this, yeah, this the Cowboy Brock a- is my, is, is such a breath of fresh air. This version yeah. of Brock is the breath of fresh air that we all said head of the table Roman is. And I think yeah. that's what makes that rematch so much more exciting. He's a Viking that wears a cowboy hat and likes to tell jokes. And right. Paul Heyman just sits back and goes, I, I'm Farmer I Lesnar no is, I love him. So he's much. fantastic. They're selling his flannel now. That's that's incredible. That's awesome. Um, yeah. As for the women's match, the big rumor that came out this week is your girl Ronda Rousey's coming back, and there's a very good I'd chance she's Ronda back. There's a very good chance she's winning this whole thing. And before everybody says, "What does that mean for Bianca Belair?" Guys, I don't think we're getting the Becky Ronda match that everybody's expecting because when she was around the first time. Raw was still the A show, and now it's SmackDown. Right. So you want your biggest stars on there, and who's the champion over on SmackDown? It's your girl, Charlotte, Charlotte. Flair. So we're going to have to probably endure that. <laughs> on the upside, we at least get the good news that rough we can actually... promo, but... Yeah, but at least this opens the door for Bianca to finally get revenge on Becky and right the wrong that was made at SummerSlam way back in August. So there is a there is a silver lining to all of this. Yeah, uh, but that is the that is the who's your big surprise entrant in this one, Jim? If you can pick one in the men's rumble or the women's rumble, both. Uh, the big surprise for me, um, if they're truly like forbidding door forbidding this or whatever, is uh, Jericho. I think Jericho is the big enough star with enough nostalgia value to come back into it because I think like, oh, there were rumors before that uh, WWE is trying to get, uh, you know, is looking to see if they can get some some Jericho stuff uh, for some of the documentary stuff and things that they're doing. And this feels like the right, easy fit. It's a nice, easy pop. You get them around in a little bit. Um, like that's that's what I, I know. I know a lot. There's a lot of scuttlebutt because Cody doesn't have a contract, and like you're not going to see Cody Rhodes in the Royal Rumble. I'm sorry, no. that's not that's not going to happen. Uh, but like I said, Jericho, I think is the easy fan favorite, safe fit um, for uh, for a surprise entrant on on that front. Yeah, if it's if it's anybody like that, it's got to be him. It's not going to be Gargano. We just had him on last week. If you listen yep. to the interviews we've done with him, he's made it pretty clear. He's not doing anything till the baby comes, guys. And then even yep. for a while after that, uh, it's not going to be Moxley. It's not going to be Cody for all the talk of the contract stuff. He's made it pretty clear. He burned every bridge on his way out the door. He's he's not getting yeah. back. Well, and the, the fact that the fact that he's openly talking about his contract uh, at, for YouTube content for AEW makes me believe that that whatever he has a new contract and it is, it is whatever it, it it is. And so. Sure. But as for the men's, I'm going with Walter. I want him to have a Keith Lee type moment where he just, uh, I can see that wrecks house. And then for the women's I- I'm buying the Ronda rumors. And I think that's, the oh, I, I, I hope that, I hope that's a, I mean, that's a good one. I mean, cause I, I think she's like really one of the only ones that can come back and be a surprise. Cause we've already, like, we already know Lita's involved. Trish has been back a bunch, you know, Molly Holly, exactly. So, um, she, she would be a, a, a good surprise. Yeah, that is Royal Rumble guys. You, we will have live coverage of that this coming Saturday night. It's not Sunday. Don't get confused. Saturday. We're doing Saturday nights now. So that's happening. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Monster Truck Rally. All right. Wow. I've never put this uh, stream in full screen before. You guys are <laughs> humongous. All right. 
Just wanted to see all your faces. What's going on? All right. All right well, so I, have to, I have to bounce. So I want to say my goodbyes. The goodbye right, chat, yeah, goodbye good. listeners. I love you yeah. all. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta bounce. So thank you for having me. I had a blast. Yeah, Coffee, I mean, uh, thank you for bringing fun. your terrible opinions, and I uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. And you took being wrong like a champ. Like I. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, guys. All right, later, Bye. guys. <laughs> I'm going are you to bounce also? too. I I can't really contribute to this comic uh, discussion. That's but, uh, so sad because these comics. I've said so that about good. you for years. It's okay. No, I'm saying yeah. th- th- thanks for having me on. And uh, go go ahead and follow me on Twitter, where you can yell at me about my apparently terrible Invincible uh, <laughs> opinions. I loved Invincible, so yeah, well, I loved Invincible too. Nobody here hates Invincible, but uh, Connor will be also putting in work this weekend for Royal Rumble and all things wrestling. So be sure to check out our comicbook.com wrestling page. Uh, yeah, Matt will be in the trenches as well, so they'll have all kinds of great coverage. All right, so check that out. All right, thanks, Connor. All right, Janelle Wheeler, it's just you and me. We got this. Yeah, we're going to be doing comics. Matt, as we said, is in the trenches. And so this week, we will be doing three comic reviews. I don't have a lot of comic news for you guys. Uh, Exciting stuff is coming up. Check it out. Comicbook.com comics. But we will be reviewing three books this week, and uh, we'll start with Janelle's favorite of the week, The Death of Doctor Strange, number five. This is the kind of finale of the Death of Doctor Strange event series and kind of tie-ins. Janelle Wheeler, let's get into it. We're going to be talking (laughs) about comic spoilers. We're going to be talking about spoilers for this. I mean, it's almost impossible to talk about this without spoilers, so... We'll be talking full spoilers of the death of Dr. Strange. Number five, Janelle, Dr. Strange is your favorite character. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the ending of this series? It was better than I thought because I really didn't know how they were going to do this. And I can't believe I'm saying that even though they killed him twice. (laughs) Yes, they killed. It was the death and rebirth and re-deaths. Of Doctor Strange. So we'll break all that. We'll get to all that in a minute. So, right. Uh, but but I, I was actually, I was like ugly crying at the end of this book. Like, I don't really cry when I read comics. <laughs> and I was actually crying like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I'm like, I need to cosplay as the the magic ladies in this in this comic because there are some really awesome wizards in this but um it was just beautiful like the artwork was stunning um especially in the last slides like where where he's like dissolving it's just gorgeous like i love that his spirit is turning like this purple and pink and like gorgeous lovely color and I don't know it was just so satisfying to me and um I actually have not been reading the companion like uh, I didn't read the uh I read the spider-man but I did not read the x-men well yeah I didn't read that and so I started on all of those today this morning because I was like okay I just want more of this it was just it was really good to me uh cunning linguist says do you didn't cry during walking dead comics no I don't I don't think I was as emotionally wrapped up in The Walking Dead. Like I read the compendiums and it was like black and white and I was like fast reading. I I was just trying to get through them. Right. But like I really enjoyed the slow burn of this. Like I was going through at the same time that they released and it was really, really nice. I think this is like my first time that I've read an entire series 
as it came out, like along with everyone else who was reading instead of trying to just binge a bunch. And it was very impactful for me. Like I was always waiting for the next book and really excited about it. And so this one just made me super happy. Cunning's like not having my Walking Dead take. <laughs> That's great. All right. Um, I found the death of Doctor Strange to be uh, okay. I thought it was okay. Like I, I actually liked the mystery of it. I think it introduced. Um, well, I didn't need the Peregrine Child. I don't. These weird old god entity things are always weird. But I love the three sisters. I think they were really freaky villains. I hope they come back. I like them. Me as too. Villains. Um, I like. I still love that chapter where they thrash the Avengers and show mm-hmm. to kind of how how you want to do cosplay. I dare you to do the Worm Sister. You know, <laughs> become a statue and cover yourself in worms. Yeah. You pull that off. You make it look good. <laughs> you're in there. Um, so I, I really like this. Uh, the ending got a little weird to me with the kind of like you said, the death, rebirth, death yeah. again. Uh, I actually really liked the twist of taking out Cassilius by having the healing spell. I loved that. I thought that was great. Like, you know, I'm not going to use magic in this kind of destructive way. It's by healing that I'll restore, you know, him to this body. I thought that was really great. Doctor fashion. Yeah. And so I thought that was great. Um, But I think I thought the ending of kind of then immediately just wiping away all that again, was just a little, it was like, kind of like, okay, well you kind of, you kind of chopped off your own foot with that. But, yeah, uh, like they could have saved it and it could have gone on to do more. But I really think they're being stubborn about wanting to kill Dr. Strange. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> obviously to set up Clea as the new sorceress, sorcerer supreme mm-hmm. of Earth. I mean, we all knew that was coming. And like, yeah, I guess it is. I mean, we're doing, you know, we're installing a female Dr. Strange. That's, you know, a thing we're doing today. But and I but I still think. And this is a case where I sometimes think like the sociopolitics can get in the way of comics. Like I loved Clea being the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been really interesting to have these two Doctor Stranges, his kind of younger self and older self in the way that that what if episode I liked, you know, I think that would have been kind of to see them constantly having to interact and deal with each other, both being there Mm -hmm. would be interesting. And both of them dealing with Clea in a kind of romantic triangle of that would have been kind of weird oh, tantalizing dang. and interesting and interesting um but i guess this works too so you know yeah, and I, think I think he'll there's be back. possibility yeah there's possibility it's comics we don't have she, to i mean get she's the, literally saying like i will find a way to yeah. bring you back and you're like i believe you <laughs> and i want to see young strange back because young strange uh yeah, I love he's just young. more pessimistic i've been saying young like, strange all weekend yeah young gets me. strange that but, sounds uh, like a rapper name i like it it sounds like a bad idea for a bar these days um <laughs> for bar behavior uh like uh so yeah i think there's i think there's a future here and more interesting things will happen i hope they go down some of these routes but uh it was okay it was not bad for it could have fallen flat on his face and i don't think it did i think it was a lot of i think the tie-ins were also pretty solid so you know pretty good mm-hmm. all right let's move on to uh the next thing so the x deaths or 10 deaths of wolverine so much one. death so much death of Wolverine. <laughs> um, we were really curious about that. We did the X lives of Wolverine before with that kind of weird uh, kind of days of future past thing where he sent his consciousness back to Professor X's birth and had to defend it against Omega Red and his real intense kind of focused horror story. This was much different. Um, you want to talk about bait and switch. I don't think the biggest bait and switch this week was the Mandalorian on the Book of Boba Fett. I'm pretty sure it was uh, X deaths of Wolverine book all about Moira McTaggart. So that was my big bait and switch of the week. Yeah. Um, but it, it, 
it did what we needed to do. And I know Janelle, you haven't been jumped into this since we uh, started the podcast and Whenever got into the house of me. X. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Got into a uh, house of X, but um, in some ways, I wish Miss Matt was here to kind of agree with me on this. But we've all been waiting for her to get back to this Moira story that started this whole thing. This whole X Men comic reboot was hinged on the reveal that she is a mutant. She lives over her own lifetimes with the memory of her previous lifetimes has been affecting things to change the timelines in certain ways each life to get mutants to a certain place. Now we're kind of coming back to that again. And while this was a little bit of confusing why this was called the 10 deaths of Wolverine, <laughs> I still like it. And I still liked that we had this Moira story and it was still straightforward. Cause I, like I said, I like straightforward stories. This is a chase. Mm -hmm. And she even says it lays it out there. I'm on the run. I don't have my mutant power. I don't have any resources of the Krakoa nation and all that. And I'm trying to like get away from an expert, like shape shifting, assassin slash spy in mystique who wants to kill yeah. um and that's the game and i like the book because it keeps you off beat you don't know where mystique is she's kind of like a horror killer in this like you don't know if she's gonna peek out from behind somebody's face um but i it's again they're they're setting up something ambitious and i hope they pull it off because i feel like the the end of this book reveals there's this weird phalanx looking wolverine that kind of emerges from the krakoa um, hatchery and is out there slashing people. And I feel like this is all going to tie back because one of the biggest questions we had about house of X was in um, powers of 10, the, the kind of book that went with that Wolverine was the other big player besides Moira McTaggart who lived through these alternate timelines and lifetimes. Cause he was always the last guy standing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like in the future where they teamed with apocalypse and fought the machine war, you know, Wolverine was at the end of that and one of the last people to die in the big apocalypse of that. He was also in that weird lifetime where Moira got locked in a garden and kind of evolved with this other human species that evolved to come post-human and all that stuff. <laughs> so I feel like that's this death of Wolverine is tied to that, to those things at the end of House of X and somehow Wolverine kind of being also in this time loop like Mo Moira is and, you know, it's all confusing. Damon Streams, you are correct. It is all confusing. I, mean, I have is, no idea what's happening, but I feel like I hope it can kind of culminate because House of X and Powers of Ten did actually pull together that mystery at the end and blew your mind like, whoa, like revealing some secrets about Moira's lifetime, setting up the new X-Men stuff. Yeah. So I hope they do it here. Um, this first book, yeah, it kept you on the ground running, and but the larger sense of why this is called the X deaths of, or Ten Deaths of Wolverine, I don't know. Yeah, that is that was confusing, but I will say that even as a casual, you know, consumer of mutant content, I, I actually really enjoyed it, and I was kind of in it. I was I was really with Moira, and I only know a little bit about her, and they still helped me to understand. Like without her, all of this mutant progress wouldn't even be in existence and she's like this is the thanks i get and the fact that i walked away understanding that i thought that was really powerful and i think they did a good job of that and this is definitely like not a mutant book that i dislike <laughs> like like i was like okay i i dig this like i'm down with it i want to know more the only thing that got me was the weird egg hatching thing i just have no idea um <laughs> but i'm hoping that they'll clarify and yeah, her on the run is great. I also love that like she's a human now and she's literally like dying of cancer. 
Yeah. She's she's not just like running away from mystique. She's running away from uh, poor health. <laughs> like it's kind of it ups the ante for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Chipperson says we need the 10th doctor to explain it to us. Points for that. <laughs> Points for throwing a doctor who referenced into these, yes, tiny, these tiny, whiny events. Yes, we do tiny, need a doctor. Tiny, whiny, wibbly, wobbly. Um, that's the big reveal. The doctor is the one who saves mutant kind. That'd be great. Uh, I, would, I would believe it. And yes, it's it, it looks like, just because this was in the comments, it looks like the 10 lives and the 10 deaths of Wolverine, which are tied to Moira's lifetimes, Again, it's all tied together to Moira's kind of lives and this whole premise. So we're going to see what goes on here, but we're going to stay on top of it. So we've done the first two issues of, or the first issues of each, and we're going to be on top of it. All right. Our final book and Janelle, I know you were, <laughs> you were batting against this, but the fans spoke and we did Batman Catwoman annual. Um, this book by Tom King, that is of course tied to the current Batman Catwoman, uh, miniseries and I actually I started off not liking it because I didn't like the artwork in this oh, but wow. I, I just in the beginning like in the kind of some of the opening pages it was a little slow of an opening for me because uh, it's very wordy it's a very Tom King talky opening mm-hmm. it's it's like a play like he is a play yeah. and, and this is a very kind of stage play opening with young Selena Kyle talking to it uh, but I love this book in the end. And Tom King, me and Matt are Tom King fans. I know there's a lot of split on Tom King's. He's been on the show. He, we great guy. And we're fans of his work. Um, I loved this series, this book, but in some ways I, I almost feel like it kind of might've overshadowed the main Batman Catwoman series for me. Cause I don't <laughs> feel like I'm enjoying the individual issues of that as much wow. as I enjoyed this. Like this felt like a whole Batman. Like you could tell me I don't need to read the Batman Catwoman series, but if I just read this annual, I would, I would love it. Like, yeah, um, I love it because I am, I knew a lot of the kind of plugs into the deeper storyline that's unfolding in the main series and which is what an annual is supposed to do. It's a focus, bigger one shot that kind of helps you plug deeper into the story that's unfolding. And so this did that job, but this kind of whole and Tom King does these things that like nobody else would do, but just following Selena Kyle's entire life from like childhood into her last moment and connecting that all with Batman and, you know, how much Bruce Wayne Batman has been kind of wrapped up in her life and, and not like taking over her life, but has been like a real presence and focusing almost like their true loves, right? Like, you know, how they're deeply they're connected and, it was amazing. And that ending, like, wow. Wow. Like, yeah, just great kind of slightly cynical, but like powerful ending. Like, yeah, man, this was one of the better annuals I think I've ever read. So uh, yeah. I loved it. And this... 86 pages, but and it felt like a novella, but great novella. Oh, yeah. Like I, I guys, another, I actually cried. I cried reading this book. It's so emotional in so many different areas of it. It's not just like, oh, this last part of the very end is very emotional. <laughs> the whole thing is just moving. And I actually really loved the art. I was very impressed with how he, uh, how they depict like them as elderly characters because sometimes... Yeah, there's some deep relationship stuff in this book too. Oh man. my God. Like, and you know, I'm planning a wedding. So all of this stuff with like your partner till death do you part, like all that stuff is like hitting me right now. And I was just like, 
I just could like even the relationship between Selena and her daughter, it was just it was so heartfelt. The whole thing was just I had so much emotional attachment to it. And I oh God, give me more of this because this is just like addictive to me. I could not put it down. And I was complaining before I started to Kofi. I was like, is this am I doing this right? This is this the one that I'm reading, the really long one. He's like, get to reading, girl. It's great. And I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that this got picked because I wouldn't have read it. Yeah, DC's um, doing some great stuff with Catwoman right now and on a lot yeah. of fronts. And the Black Label stuff has been really great. Like, yeah, but this was one of the better Catwoman stories I've ever read. And just the circleness yeah. of it, like in case you don't realize, like, I'm going to talk spoilers. I mean, like the cir- just the circular nature of beginning the story when she's a young girl and she knows Bruce Wayne, her mom like works for the Waynes and she's kind of like talking to his picture after she finds out his parents have been murdered and all that. And to the ending where she kind of goes and, you know, suicide by crook sort of in crime alley where, you know, Batman was born uh, when the Waynes were killed. It's just like, yeah. And like, wow. like Janelle said, you're getting married, but I've been in like a relationship <laughs> for like 20 years. And like, <laughs> There's just stuff in here that was just like, wow, man, we're getting real deep into like relationships and mm-hmm. views and like her kind of loving Batman, but always having that like kind of friction, never quite fully agreeing with them. They're not like the happy go lucky, like, oh, you're schmoopy, like her That's being like, perfect. you're damn wrong, yeah. you know, like all of that stuff, the ugliness of dealing, you're probably when you have cancer, seeing Batman with cancer. Oh my like, God. Stop. Like, yeah, it was, that was, it was real stuff Can't. in that book. So. Ugh. Yeah, uh, hats off to Tom King. I mean, I know it's not the kind of thing most people will seek out and see 86 pages, but Batman Catwoman Annual is great kind of, I want to, it's not even a Batman story. It's really a Catwoman story. And it's it a great really Catwoman is, yeah. story. So, um, yeah. And, and even if you're like casual Catwoman, like I don't, I don't know her deep, deep, deep story. I learned so much from this about her. I'm addicted to her. I love her. I yeah. want more of her now. Yeah, this is, this is great. Uh, this is a great kind of interpretation of Selena in all her kind of greatness, her power, her damage, her vulnerability, like all that stuff and why it makes her such a great, well-rounded character. Um, and it's not to take away from Catwoman Lonely City, which is also a great series that's out right now. DC Black Label. Check that out, too. But um, mm-hmm. so, wow. Talk about twist ending. Who knew we would uh, be gushing over uh, Batman Catwoman <laughs> annual today? Uh, that was like the so long great. shot we were looking at this morning. But uh, that'll do it for comics. We want to thank Matthew Aguilar for usually putting these together for us and getting us some good books to read. Uh, he'll be back next week, as usual. Uh, before we go, I'm just going to do some quick mentions. Uh, my mention is Servant is back on Apple TV. I love me some Servant M. Night Shyamalan's series about uh, a couple with some really crazy twisted baby issues and the nanny they hire and all the kind of horror thriller stuff that happens as a result of that. Uh, It's back for its new season. So that's in there. And uh, Picard season two, you know, on the excellent Paramount Plus streaming service where you can find shows like Comic Book Nation or Phase Zero podcast. Uh, we're coming back to the Star Trek. We haven't had a chance to talk about Star Trek in like two seasons because <laughs> of COVID and everything. But uh, Star Trek Picard dropped its new trailer. Check that out. It's coming back to Paramount+. Plus. We're excited about that. We're going to be doing some time traveling, like some of my favorite Star War- or Star Trek movies. We're going to bring back Q from Next Generation. You know, we got Patrick Stewart back. 
bunch of stuff going down. Check out that trailer. Excited for Picard season two. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Unless Janelle, you got anything you want to toss out there in the aether? Oh, gosh. I am still chugging along trying to get through the Arrowverse. I started in 2020 and I'm still... I'm still trying to watch all of these episodes of every single show, but it's, I'm having a blast. It's right. Janelle's Arrowverse Trek. If you want to tweet her at that, you can do so. Mm -hmm. We are comic book nation. This is the end of this episode. If you are just getting the show, we put up new episodes every Friday. You can find us live streaming at noon Eastern on Twitch, Facebook, and on uh, YouTube. If you don't want to watch the show, it's okay. Download from any podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or tell any smart device to play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll just get playing there right for you. Be sure to follow us at Comic Book Nation on Twitter. Be sure to follow me at Kofi Outlaw. Follow me at Janelle Wheeler. And those other guys, you can follow them if you can track them down. They're not here to <laughs> Thank you guys for listening in. As always, drop any opinions you have, any kind of things you want to have. We want to get ideas to how to make the show interactive this season so we can get you guys involved. So whatever you want to do, you want to do mailbags, you want to do rankings, what do you guys want to do? Let us know. Again, Careless. at Comic Book Nation on Twitter, send us a tweet, let us know what you want to do, and let's get some things to get you guys involved. Otherwise, thank you. This is Comic Book Nation. You can find all of our stuff over on Comic Book Dot com. Be sure to check it out and we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye guys.